0: good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Ah. Ah. See, a United States astro-robot becomes a creature of death.
1: And oh. days.
0: We have come here to this planet for One purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. Who breaks the law, shall be punished. Back to the house of pain, back to the house of pain.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Bots, Bugs and Babes. The B Movie Podcast from the Cults on the Cheese in the Between. The Movies Your B. you Entertainment is Grade A. And I'm your host, Mr. Jason Jackinetti. And I'm joined by my dad, Mr. Al Jackinetti. Hey, Jay, how are we doing today? Good. We got a feedback episode, folks, because I always forget to read them. Uh, I have them and I forget to read them. So, first up is from Luke, my brother Luke. And it says, Pretty Tame by Today's Standards, Friday the 13th. Luke thought it was really funny that I said that to you during the episode. Mm-hmm. It's pretty tame by today's standards, but here we go. Says Jay, just finished listening to you and dad's uh, cover, the Friday the 13th, uh, episode 84. Great coverage of a film which exists in a strange middle ground of being important for what it began, but also being outshined by what it spawned. In the immortal words of Bart Simpson, when Lisa explains that the Edgar Allan pose, The Raven was scary for readers in 1945, oh yeah, like when you look at Friday the 13th, part one, and pretty tame by today's standards which is exactly the line I said. So it's pretty tame, right. which is funny because that's where it's from. Generally, I like Friday the 13th all right. It helps that I'm a big fan of Twitch of the Death Nerve slash Bay of Blood. Uh, and I really like the film's uh, earnestness. Okay, so Bay of Blood, and, uh, aka Twitch of the Death Nerve, is, God, is it Baba? I think it's Baba. And it literally, uh, Friday the 13th rips off kills right out of it. It basically is the originator of Friday the 13th. Like, there's kids, they're a thing, they get slaughtered. Um, it's, I mean, someone gets stabbed right through to the ground, which is used in part two. Like it literally is. Some scenes are lifted directly from that movie. Um, having the killer be a woman is a wonderful twist, which stands the test of time. Pamela's motivation still rings true, and of course, Savini's effects work are always top notch, which we talked about. Tom Savini, right. of course, there. Um, you know, in Friday the Thirteenth was breaking new ground and stuff that became industry standards. He invented on the set. Like when the blood wouldn't come out of his neck so that he blew real hard and it you know comes out. So, but at the same time, I agree with Dad's assessment. The script itself is pretty perfunctory. Gather everyone together and bump them off. The characters, such as they are, exist as pieces to be moved around the board and little more. Except for Pamela and Crazy Ralph, uh, Annie is no Lori Strode. But even beyond that, the character in general are the characters in general are too vaguely defined for an audience to care that much. I compare this negatively to Twitch of, the De- Twitch of the Death Nerve, where the simple fact that the characters are all jerks, or worse, means that seeing them get their comeuppance holds value for the audience. Here, you want to see them dispatched because, they, because that dispatching is the film's strong suit. So, in Twitch of the Death Nerve, they're all
0: like the most horrible. And I've never seen that. Oh, yeah,
1: you're not missing out. I got it. I'm, I'll, I'll you borrow the Blu ray. The kills are really good, but every single person, it's, it's, it's uh, Italian.
0: It was part of oh, that that's the, oh okay. Yeah.
1: It's part of that it's part of that cycle we went through when we started getting all the Italian movies it's and start Oh no, it's certainly not a Giallo movie. Uh no, Giallo movies like uh Profondo Rosa, things right, yeah, like yeah. that. There's like a story in that. There's like it's just a bunch I mean, there's a bunch of people who are jerks. So was this before
0: or after the uh, Friday the thirteenth? Before. This is Friday the thirteenth rips us off. Yeah, how, but how much before a couple years. That's okay, yeah, cut rips it off. yeah, I'll, I'll let you borrow it. Trust me, you're going to be
1: like, "Why did I watch this?" It might actually be on Prime. Um, before your tenure on the vault, we all we covered all the Friday the Thirteenth series, and it was illustrative to see how the series both expanded and contracted creatively over the course of its run. Generally, I find that uh, I find that as the tropes of the slash genre are more solidly established, the series manages to both become more creative, such as the supernatural elements of Jason Lives and New Blood, but also more formulaic such as the the very basic plots of The New Beginning and Jason Takes Manhattan. Those are all four movies you've never seen. Uh, (laughs) Which is really funny, because New Blood is my favorite one. That's the one where he fights basically Um, uh, Carrie. It's demonstrative of the old adage we have discussed before that film, especially genre film, is neither entirely commercial nor entirely artistic. Both dimensions exist. Paramount wanted to churn out F-13 sequels to make money. But filmmakers also want to put their own stamp on their work. So what Luke's talking about is um, there's a documentary that's outstanding. It's called uh, Crystal Lake Memories. Yes. I mean, it's it's like 12 hours long. Yep. But each one of the directors talked about how they wanted to bring something new to it. And it's true. Each one wanted to make a good movie. No one's trying to make a bad movie. No one's trying to make the producers. Like where you make Springtime for Hitler, yeah, right. which is supposed to bomb to make the money. You want to make the best movie you can. So it's not like they're trying to make a bad movie if you don't like Jason Takes Manhattan and then you learn that Jason Takes Manhattan is completely not the same movie it was when it was first cut. You're like, huh, that's crazy that this movie is completely different than what they had originally. Uh, The formula works because it works. And it works so well that even derivatives of the formula which followed in the wake of Scream uh, 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 appealed just as much to uh, different generations of teenagers. Getting down to the more basic forms I point to Final Destination series, which to me is the most loyal example of a movie made up about a series of violent set pieces strung together, which is true. Right, but
0: Final Destination, the, the, those four movies there's oh, more than four. There's five, I think. Yeah, there's at least five, yeah. But I mean, but the first four, uh, I mean, they work. Right. But Luke's saying
1: is they're mm-hmm. nothing but there's no reason for those movies except to have the kills all right, happening. Exactly, right. right. And Luke said strong, like the spy who loved me. For Horror Crowd, because The Spy Who Loved Me, is nothing. There's nothing in that movie except set piece, go to the next one. Set piece, go to the next one. Uh, I'm reminded of a review from Cinefantastic Mag- Cinefantastique magazine about the original Friday the 13th video game. The gist being that the author could create as many F-13 sequels as he desired, he just had to press the reset button. Uh, all that said, Doug, the episode and the interest in, in the interest of listening did make me want to break out my old F-13 box set and give the film another viewing. Looking forward to Dinosaurus and everything else coming, Luke. Uh, now, of course, we're t- this is the, um, excuse me, the talk here about, uh, you know, Friday the 13th and Dan dad's only ever seen the first one. He's never seen any other ones. Um, no, not, did you ever see Jason vs Freddy? I,
0: I might've seen it. I just don't remember. I have to. You no, know, but
1: I'm saying, but Jason vs Freddy, it was, it's, that's what Freddy Krueger's there, Robert. It, it was made like recently. You might have seen some of it. Yeah. Again, there's there's parts of it, but again, those the the you've you've seen more Halloween and sequels yes. than you've ever seen Friday the Thirteenth. Right? You ever seen? Have you ever seen Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, the first one. But you yeah. never saw any sequels. No. Okay. So um, when we start looking at Friday the Thirteenth movies, and there are some of my our friends uh, like John who hate the Friday the Thirteenth movies, but he's a horror fan. And not everyone who likes horror likes Friday the 13th. I happen to love them. I mean, it's tattooed on my body. Uh, but, like, I, I like Friday the 13th movies just for their mindlessness. Like, to me, that's part of the great part. I can put a, any Friday the 13th movie on at any time and just be like, oh, it's just like eating It's like eating chips. It's uh, like there's there's no nutritional value to it
0: whatsoever. I mean, I'm not some chips, not chips that are good for you. It's funny. There, there's, there are some franchises that uh, I like, like Saw or, uh, uh, you know, the... the um, the uh, Hostel yes. and things like that yeah. and yet I don't find the, the, the Freddy Krueger movies or the, uh, the Jason Warriors well, movies uh, yeah. uh, that's uh, uh, something is, I want to watch it's right. just amazing.
1: The difference is though is that there would be none of those movies without those other well, ones coming, no, no, which agree. is the crazy part right but, but, I but I the Saw movies which which they coined the term torture porn you know for Hostel and those things um, those are so born out of the 80's slasher stuff but they're refined and let's be honest when you watch a saw or hostile, right. Any of those, any of those kind of movies, what they get away with now, they couldn't get away with any of this stuff in the eighties. Right. You had to be creative at how you kill people. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, it's just what it was. Uh, that's why movies like, um, that's why like, uh, like maniac we talked about and we talked about like, and we've in the past talked about how much my disdain for last house and the left and things like that. Those movies were so brutal. and So weird. they're so controversial. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night, the original, right? The 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 unrated cut we watched, right? They, they you can't have that. We watched Silent Night. Remember the the, the remake, right? The one where that we've got the he's got a flamethrower burning naked hookers. I mean, or sorry, porn stars. We I mean, get their profession right. right, right? Hey, what? Like he put in a wood chipper, like, and that's all okay. But it wasn't okay that he put Leona Quigley, uh, you know, topless through the right. uh, the antlers of a deer. It's, it's just so it's just so different. But the things that occur now that we're able to get away with in film is it all pays back to the originals. And, and, you know, when you watch Halloween, the original Halloween and the sequels to Halloween are not good. I mean, like two, two is not bad, but it's like, eh, it's just kind of like, it just seems like it doesn't need to be there. Three. I love, but it's not, not a sequel. Three is the one with, right. uh, the, about uh, the, the mass and stuff like that.
0: Four and five, ugh. Yeah, six I mean, is bad. You, well, know? you know, I mean, I enjoyed the Rob Zombie set movies. What? Because they they told the story again. I mean, they, they don't have you don't have Jamie Lee Curtis, but you, I I thought those movies were done really well. Yeah.
1: Well, b- because it goes back and tells you the story again.
0: Yeah. Because it's not based. So you couldn't
1: watch Halloween four and Halloween five and not have any idea who this is. It wouldn't make any sense because you're now you're now you know th- three sequels deep in a series it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's hard to pick up that Rob Zombie's Halloween. If you've never seen the original Halloween, you could pick it up and just watch it. It's its own standalone movie whatever issues you might have with the second one with the like the her losing her mind and the horses and whatever you know fine but overall if you were to strip some of that stuff away the like, rob zombies you know, it's halloween 2 zombies halloween 2 it's not a bad film i just don't i think it, it kind of got lost in the rob zombie of it right kind of got lost in his like his his being visionary and that's a guy i like you know kind of thing but even like the devil's rejects I find to be a much better film than House of Thousand Corpses. You well,
0: know, yeah. there is no Devil's Rejects without House of Thousand Corpses. Right, right but it, the House of Thousand Corpses, I've watched it again. I still don't know what's it's going weird, on under the right, ground. Right. It's, it's a weird movie, and there's
1: stuff, there's <coughs> questions to be asked, but you can see it's a director kind of trying to find his feet. Yeah, I think Devil's Rejects is like so powerful and like dirty and disgusting. There's nothing right. redeemable about any of these characters. And by the time you get to three from hell... It's like Rob Zombie's, like,
0: "Hey, you want to be disgusting? Let's be disgusting." Yeah, and okay. Three from Hell, really, I mean, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, it but, but it, but it, I don't want to say it's, it's it, but disclosure, but it, it really, it. But it had it, to if you watched if you watch Devils Rejects and then Three from Hell back to back, yeah. they 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 well, flowed tremendous. Three from Hell is truly the sequel to Devils Rejects.
1: That that they happen to come out of a House of Thousand Corpses. House of oh. Thousand Corpses is not the same thing. So, but uh, uh thing is as you look at them you know you kind of think but that's another story for another day all right our next email it comes from my buddy John Vanover now for those of you who say hey we haven't heard John in here before um, I always tag John and stuff he's a uh, big into uh, comic books and uh, that's how we actually met we were actually on W uh, Derek W Crabs podcast talking about Punisher War Journal I know Jay the guy who's not into comic books but I like mm-hmm. Punisher and we were on there we become friends and a lot of toy stuff so John's email says, Return of the Living Dead. So I bet it's about uh, a maniac. Anyway, so... No, I'm joking. So it says, uh, Hi, Jason and Al. Uh, October got away from me. I meant to sent, uh, get this in before the episode. Here's a story of how I first saw the film, talking about Return of the Living Dead. I think I've told it somewhere before, but if I, I can't remember for sure. Picture it. Small town, northern Michigan. I feel like uh, Sophia uh, Petrillo. Picture it. Sicily, 1931. You know what I mean, right? Picture it. Small town... Northern Michigan in late eighties. My dad had to work or was out of town on business. My mom rented a couple of movies on VHS to watch uh, on her way home from on her way home from work. uh, watch on the way home from work. One of them was this film. Not watching it on the way home from work. I I sound like that. Um, Somebody at work had told her it was funny. I begrudgingly told her I'd watch it with her. I'm sure she probably did it as a bonding time thing with uh, with a teenager uh, that was also uh, that was always going somewhere. Let me just say that watching the scene with Trash were some of the most uncomfortable moments of my teen life. So Trash, of course, is the only quickly who is almost stark naked. Uh, we'd all seen movies with a flash of a, of a boob here and there, uh, but this was something completely different. Here is a girl outright stripping and dancing. Should I look at it? Should I look at my mom? Should I look away? <laughs> um, I really don't know what to do. We eventually made it through. Uh, the end had both of us looking at each other like, did they just really blow up a city? Is that the end? What did that, What did we just watch? And I definitely don't think it was my what my mom expected. Now my tastes are quite a bit different. But back in high school, horror wasn't a big draw for me. I tended to stick with action flicks that I could watch with my dad. So this was out of my comfort zone on many levels, which is uh, really how you grow in film, watching, right? Which is true. You go outside your level, okay? Uh you watch things. So hang on, there's one more paragraph, but so John's obviously talking about. Not everyone loves horror movies. And to be honest with you, as a kid, we watched a lot of universals and stuff like that, but we had also seen Exorcist and Omen. And none of my friends had seen those things, but my friends had seen all the Friday the 13th and I never seen any of them. I mean, Luke and I were very late coming to Friday the 13th or full versions. We'd seen Friday the 13th on TV, but it's cut to shreds. We'd seen Angry on Elm Street on TV, it was cut to shreds. Halloween's about the only one we ever saw, but we saw the other ones cut up and it wasn't until we got cable we started seeing some of the later Nightmare movies. Um, and it's weird because Luke and my, uh, you know, our time watching horror was very much grounded in the universals and then the B-movies like we took cover on this show and, st- and the Godzilla movies and stuff like that.
0: And, and all, the, all the big uh, bug movies. And right, the- what
1: I'm saying? But our, our, our horror and oh, the things yeah. were grounded in more like, you know, the classics, like, like you know, Dracula. the Wolfman, Dracula, yeah. Frankenstein. And then we watched Hammer movies. Now, no one I had known had ever seen a Hammer movie, let alone, like, with the bright red blood and, like, the the bulging, you know, uh, bust lines or whatever. But Hammer movies, for the most part, until you get to the later Hammer, don't have a whole ton of nudity in them. There's a lot of, yeah. like, l- voluptuous women not wearing a lot of clothes, but at the end of the day, you know, it's not like Ingrid Pitt's, you know, goods are spilling out in the screen. You know what I'm saying? Um, or or, or, Ver- or Ver- uh, Van- uh, Veronica Carlson, I think, right? right? Um, so... It's it's weird when you start crossing over, and we watched a lot of action movies. I mean, I'm huge Schwarzenegger fan, huge Stallone fan, and stuff like that from back in the day. Uh, I also wanted to mention I use the website uh, does the dot com as a tool to evaluate films before watching. Uh, his wife Tracy uh, and I are a bit bothered by dogs getting killed, so I tend to either avoid those or watch them by myself. The site has a lot of uh, things broken out, so that you can almost tell things. Uh, tell the things that you or your fa- or your family don't care uh, to be warned. Okay, so yeah, what he's saying is basically. So this is a site. So if certain things bother you in films, folks, there's places. IMDb now does it too. They list how much violence in the movie, how right. much whatever, the you know, language and stuff. And I'm like, because some people are not as good at gauging necessarily. Right, that even, stuff.
0: even I think the, one of the magazines, it must be, maybe it's Horror Hound. They list the number of kills in a movie. Oh no, is no, that no. no, is Yes. That,
1: the that they list those because they're trying to like say, hey, look, it's got fifty kills in it, but the movie's horrible. Like they're oh yeah. Okay. It's it has nothing to do, or it's either at or room I any it's room org. But that's not done. Yeah. That's not done to warn you. That's done as like like hey. Entice you. Yeah. Like, hey, but I see a lot. They they even have ones where it's like, how many naked bodies are in this movie? How whatever? Right. Like, because they're trying to because people who are reading. Okay. For my friends at Room org, who may or may not be listening right now. We all know that if we're reading org magazine, chances are you like horror movies or horror culture or something. You're not just picking up horror, hound, uh, um, Rumorg and saying, hey, here's an, uh, here's an issue with an, uh, a book all about cannibalism. Let me just flip through this. Like, that's not happening. Horror Hound, on the other hand, you might pick up and say, hey, I remember this 1980s movie on the cover. But it's got a lot of stuff in there, too. That's not exactly, you know, uh, suitable for all ages, let's say. Anyway, all right. So, John, thank you very much for the email. Um, you know, uh, obviously, I'm glad that, uh, you know, what we enjoy, you know, doesn't always necessarily have to cross over. It's totally okay. But, again, I know now you tend to like, you know, your some of the movies or the, a good chunk of the movies we recover, especially, you know, being B movies and
0: stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, there's that old saying. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder." Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so there's another case. Uh, this is a perfect example of John and I have never met each other. Um, we have a whole lot in common, and we met because we were on a podcast together with with uh, Derek W. Crab, um, and we just started talking, and it was only about the Punisher first. sort of like you like I like this I like and, like we both like donuts, <laughs> we both like whatever, like it, it, it's just it, things things that like, happen, you know, kind of thing. So oh, there's a whole donut thing. Uh, the the oh, it's in John, you have to write in. I don't remember the thing. It's it's a that there's a donut trail. It's like twelve stops. It's a road trip you take, and you get like very faint. <laughs> there's like donuts, and it's I think it's in. Is it Ohio? It might be Indiana. I don't remember. I am old and I can't remember. Every, I think it's Ohio. But there's like places you go and there are famous donut shops and you stop and get donuts on this thing. Like, you know, some people go through and they're like, I have yeah. to go to like whatever these famous places are. Yeah. Well, John and I would go and we would hit donut shops kind of thing. Anyway, our third email says, I warned you not to go out tonight. Maniacs. So this is from Luke. Jay, Maniac is a film that stays with you. Well, parts of it stay with you. The scenes of violence are so intense and effectively shot and executed that you can't help but remember them. I haven't seen Maniac in more than a decade, but certain scenes are as clear in my head as the day I first saw them, which was true. Right? We talked about that. Here we go. Dad is right on the money connecting Maniac in 1980 with Dirty Harry from 1971, uh, along with a greater extent Magnum Force from 73, and Death Wish in 74. Uh, All of them lean hard on urban blight motif, and use various levels of exploitation filmmaking, all utilize violence in a shocking and direct manner, pushing towards the unblinking eye of the cinema verté. Now, obviously, uh, Maniac came after those. I mean, Maniac right. is, and, and Maniac is nothing like uh, Dirty Harry in the story um, kind of thing, but it certainly is the griminess of the city. I mean, the one thing about Dirty Harry, and some of you think back like, oh, I know Dirty Harry movies. Was the last thing you watched I watched Dirty Harry over in last spring. We watched Magnum Force. Yep. Now I happen to like Magnum Force better. I think that's the better story, but Dirty Harry is really great too. Um, when you look at like the the griminess of San Francisco and like you know the like the people there and like it looks so real and so you can't fake that. You couldn't be like I'm going to shoot this in Montreal. Like this had it's to right. be shot there. Right, you know. Yeah. So. uh, Luke continues, I think it's really interesting aspect is to look at the main characters. Harry Callahan is a cop, true, but a cop that shoots first and asks questions later. A far cry from most depictions of police at this time. Remember, Dragnet was still on the air in the late 70s. Could there be any more difference between Dirty Harry and Dragnet? Like, that's completely the opposite end of, like, representing cops, right? Luke continues, "Uh, In Death Wish, our hero, in quotes, is Paul Kersey, a civilian, pushed into vigilantism? Is he justified in his actions, or is he as bad as the criminals he dispatches? As in Maniacs, uh, Lustig has the chutzpah to, ma- uh, to make the main character not a hero, or even an anti-hero, but a deranged lunatic. Frank is the only character we really learn anything about, so even as we are repulsed by him, Lustig and Spinel are almost daring us to try to understand him. Overall the, film all dig, uh, overall, the films all dig into their state of the major cities in the 1970s and entering the 1980s. All the socio-cultural, social, socio-cultural developments in those cities, in order to put both put butts in seats in the uh, nave theaters and drive-ins and grindhouses. So, what Luke's talking about, obviously, is that you you know these. Dirty Harry and stuff like that, and he's gone on to become much bigger. Death Wish. The ideas are much bigger. They've been remade and redone over again. But they were designed to put butts in seats. They're not. This isn't. This isn't Citizen Kane with something to say. Like you know, you're not watching Death Wish. You're like, I'm hoping that there's good meaning here. You yeah. want to see him get his the comeuppance. You
0: want to see the people who rape his wife and daughter get their comeuppance. Right, and, what, and what do you? But what, what do you have out of that? When you, when you say Dirty Harry, it's you've got the, the the lines. People don't remember the movie as much as they remember. Uh, are you feeling
1: uh, feeling lucky, punk. Punk. that I fire six five oh, times only? No, no, are no. six oh, yeah. six times only five? Yeah. And then in
0: Death Wish, it's it's not so much what he says, but it's the scene where he puts his finger out with the gun. Yeah, at the end, of, that's no. what people remember. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You okay. know, I mean, but, but the thing
1: is, but I think what Luke's getting at though is the each of these movies were designed to get people to go to oh, theaters. Yeah, okay. they're they well, they had big time stars, right? They, they, they had big stars, but they also were designed to be like oh my God, I just saw this movie. Like, you couldn't not tell someone about Death Wish. You couldn't not tell someone about Dirty Harry when you saw it because you're like, okay, we just saw this movie. And you got to even believe what they did in here. And not to the extent that Maniac was because Maniac is, I think, Lusting, again, Lusting being a porn director, kind of like he's not
0: afraid to show you right. stuff right. that most people don't want to see. Well, and the other thing too is that every one of these movies that we just mentioned mm-hmm. are contemporary. They, they're not happening in the 1940s. Yes. They're not happening in in like uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. They're happening today.
1: Yeah, and I think though too, what, what the other part is when you look at them, they are so reliant. as uh, we just said, on the city which they were filmed in. Right. Like Maniac works in New York. It's New York City. Like it's New York. It's the real New York. It's the grime. It's the stuff. It's the streets of San Francisco. It's New York in obviously Death Wish. Like these things work when you watch the remake of Death Wish with um, uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, right? I, Bruce Willis. I mean, you. I mean, he's supposed to be. He's a surgeon and whatever. Like, but it's like, yes, things are filmed and it looks like a city and stuff, but it doesn't have the same feeling. Right. I mean, is It's. I get it. Like, you know, they have to tone things down and they have to change things around to make it work for today's audience. But at no time when I'm watching that am I feeling the same way I felt when I'm watching, uh, you know, the original Death Witch. Right. And that's not to even say that it's just because of Charles Bronson or,
0: no, or right. Bruce Willis. The is, but there's no. The thing is. Why do you have to remake no, no. Uh, you know, something like that? Which I mean, they, when, when an original is is a classic, I mean, yeah, they made they made a whole number of sequels, but the same the same guy was in it every time. Yeah. But to come up with a Bruce Willis remake, I mean, when he did Die Hard, and then he did the second one. Die Hard did, too, yeah. That's fine because it's him and it's the same character. But to come up with the, the, the lack of creativity. But find something okay. for Bruce Willis. I mean, you, that's you,
1: that's that's a whole other issue, though. Yeah. But what, what I'm saying, though, is <clears throat> there, you can't recapture that feeling exactly, right? Because even though, and we talked about this, you know, with Rob Zombie's like Halloween and stuff, he he makes his movies that are gritty and dirty and like what. And to be honest, Devil's Rejects is probably the closest thing to a 1970s grime gritty movie like we have seen in a while that really is like that. But even then, it has to be nostalgia to get that. It's hard to set it in modern day and be that grimy. Uh, it's hard to set a movie in New York City and have it be dirty and grimy, because New York City isn't dirty and grimy the way it used to be in the right. late 70s and 80s. It doesn't exist anymore. Right? Times Square is Mickey Mouse and, right. and you know whatever, and ESPN and all this stuff like that. It doesn't exist. There aren't the hookers. There aren't the grindhouse theaters. There aren't the the the, the drug addicts. I mean, I've eaten lunch in Bryant Park. I've said this a number of times. Kelly and I, would I ever bring Kelly to Bryant Park in my entire right. life? let alone sit there and eat, and we watched, we, we we saw, they were doing a, HBO was doing a comedy special, we were down there, it was a free thing in the park, we sat there and watched some comedians, and we had lunch in Bryant Park, that's Needle Park, that's Needle Park, good lord, there's no way in the world that's safe, but when we went in the late 90s, early 2000s, totally fine, yeah. because it's different, so, uh, let me just finish up here, because there's something that you won't know about, but it'd be, it'd be funny. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the film's major Italian ripoff, The New York Ripper, directed by Lucio Fulci in 1982. And let me tell you, when you watch New York Ripper, you're like, I've seen this movie. It's called Maniac, right? Uh, sh- uh, <laughs> shares some su- uh, superficial connections in the setting and level of explanation of violence, but more or but more of a police procedural and giallo and execution, which is true. But the killer cracks uh, like a duck. It's just weird. Like, New York Ripper is, I mean, it's not Fulci's best stuff. I mean, to me, like Zombies, one of it, or, the, from, or uh, the Beyond, and stuff like that. But it's weird. But you definitely feel like, I, I feel like I've seen some of these things before. It's superficially you do. The story is very different. It's very much a, it's, it's a giallo-police procedural. Thanks for covering Maniac and looking forward to Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, which was what we covered this past Christmas, and everything else coming down the pipeline loop. Uh, so that takes care of it. The other email I have, I have to save for when Luke's here because it has to account. Yorga vampire, uh, which of course dad hasn't watched in a while. So he may not remember, but so, uh, folks, this is, again, we do these episodes every once in a while and I always forget to do the feedback at the end of an episode. Um, where we kind of cover a bunch of movies and it leads to other things we're talking about. Now, obviously some of the movies here, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh we're talking about maniac was or 1980 and we're talking about, you know, um, Return of the Living Dead is eighty five. We're talking about movies that are more recent. Dad and I, we try to make sure we hit different things. Uh, this past in twenty twenty, some of the big feedback we got from people there was a lot of feedback about Master of the Universe, which is a mid eighty, you know, eighty seven, and again, not horror related. Um, and I think some of that speaks to necessarily uh, the people who are listening, who are about the same age as Luke and I, are in our early forties, because we are kids from the eighties, and these are the movies we remember. Um, and I love to hear from people, even if. Again, maybe you weren't a kid in the 80s. Maybe you're younger. Maybe you were a kid in the 90s, and these are movies you've gone back and looked at. Or if you're older, and these were movies maybe that, uh, you know, these were not things you naturally saw the first time through because you were already in your, you know, 30s or whatever kind of thing at that point. We'd love to hear about it, especially if you, uh, you know, we cover some of the older movies Now we've talked about. um, We just covered uh, The Incredible Shrinking Man back in the first episode of January. Mm. Um, And we've talked about, obviously, a lot of classics, you know, Classic sci-fi movies, you know, big bug movies and stuff like that. And we'd love to hear from you guys about those. If you have any feedback on that as well, we'd love to hear it. Um, Dad and I, of course, are going to talk about Cult of the Cobra for the Valentine's Day movie for, uh, you know, uh, February. Um, And we have a whole bunch of cool stuff coming down the pipe. And again, we always are open to suggestions and stuff as well. If you have an idea, we'd love to hear about it. Um, You know, just the one thing I caution people because I do have people say, hey, why don't you cover Godzilla? And like, it's the wrong show. And it's just, you know, if you want to hear about a Godzilla movie, you need to go to Luke's show, or right. Destruction Directive, where he talks about Godzilla movies. And yes, I am sometimes on that show, but is not the same mm-hmm. person. Because um, I'm not writing these emails to myself. He uses, like, you know, ten-letter words, and I use, like, oh, five-cent no. words. Uh, so um, You need it. That's the story sometimes. Yeah, when Luke's. Well, it's okay. No, I'd rather have, like, that than, um, you know, some of the stuff we get. Anyway. Uh, but like we said, we we appreciate all the feedback. We appreciate everybody, um, you know, with the stuff come up. I mean, obviously, we had a lot of positive feedback. Luke and I did two episodes of Pitchstorm where we, um, you know, made B movies that don't exist yet. Where we had cards come up and whatever. Um, we we're looking to do more of those down the line. Um, i of course, I'm in talks with. Um, You know, some of our regulars, of course, John LeMay, I'm in talks with uh, Jonathan Inbody, um, you know, Luke, and and again, other people we can't even talk about yet. Uh, You know, other authors and stuff who are interested in coming in or, you know, movie people who might be in the more film historian end of things. But again, we're all working on that stuff for this year. So uh, this again, short episode, folks, Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you have feedback, let us know. So uh, until we talk about Cult of the Cobra in February, keep those cards and letters coming. and search the hashtag The Art of Horror Collective as well as the new hashtag Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter at Jason Jackinetti, and you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc., are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow.
0: There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?